Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning, church. Good to see everybody. My name's Tim. I, too, am a member at this church, and I am glad I am. And uh, welcome to all our first-time guests. Glad you are here, too. And um, we're in a series that uh, we're calling, as you can see, Who is My Neighbor? Last week, we uh, found out from Luke 10, as Jesus was being confronted by a uh, a lawyer, someone who was well-versed in the law of how to be obedient and and often the Old Testament passages and even added laws that they had uh, just put on to what was already there, that the neighbor, the good neighbor, is the one who shows mercy to others, to their neighbor. And so we're taking about three weeks to take a look at how, uh, you know, how good of a neighbor are we? And Jesus turns it upside down as he normally does. I mean, this young guy... Uh, ask him who is my neighbor and by the time the guy finishes answering Jesus questions it's turned around to well what kind of neighbor am I I I love it Jesus is like so smart and uh, you know he just coaches the guy he says this and that and the guy just draws his own conclusions that hey to be a good neighbor it's the one who shows mercy to people Uh, but it's not always easy is it showing mercy to neighbors I mean, if we were truthful, we've got people sometimes next door who love their music so much they want to share it with us, country, and uh, (laughs) they just think you love Travis Tritt, and so they want to share it with you, or Swiftly, I mean, Taylor Swift, and um, I love her, she's awesome, not really, and... uh, but they just crank it up, <laughs> they crank it up, and they want to share it with you. And then we, you know, we have our neighbors who love, uh, who love their dogs, and I love, I love animals and love dogs, and, and, all, but, and they put little raincoats on them and, and put sweaters at this time of the year, and they walk through the yard, and those nice little outfits have no bottom on them, and all they, they just come along dropping pools of lovely wonderful how are you my neighbor on your lawn and and uh, you go out and you smile and you bless that neighbor out (laughs) it's not easy sometimes is it I mean being a neighbor when you're bamming on your apartment wall it's three in the morning would you turn the music down or someone like I said drops a little gift package on your lawn Jesus in the midst of uh of all of this confronts his people and, uh, and says, are you a good neighbor? And what does it mean to be a good neighbor? Last week I asked uh, you for a name of a neighbor because some of us don't even know the names of uh, the people living next door to us. Uh, as I said, we have garages on the side of our homes. Uh, we have tinted windows on our cars and so we drive in after work. Nobody can see who we are. The garage door goes up, and we slide in incognito. No one has still seen us, and we go inside, and, and we live our lives. And the next morning, the garage door goes up, and these mystery people come out. And, 
and they drive off at 6.37 in the morning to their lives and they come back and we do it over and over and over again and some of us rarely ever get to know who really lives close to us and who's around us. And I really think that Jesus is out to change our, to change our perception of what it means to be a good neighbor. So we're going to pray and we're going to go right back to Luke 10 this morning, the first part of uh, Luke chapter 10. If you've got your app or if you're old school like me and you want to open your Bibles, then uh, you can turn to Luke 10, but let's pray. Father, thank you for some time together on this uh, cool morning. Thank you that we got an extra hour last night, and Lord, most of all, thank you for uh, you, for coming to love us, to give yourself for us, and then to invite us into your journey, into your mission on this earth. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't abandon us, that you didn't leave us, but you sent your Holy Spirit to live with us and to teach us and to lead us. And this morning, we ask that you would breathe life on your word, that you would speak to us about being a good neighbor. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's read a little, read a little portion of this. This is uh, Luke 10, and uh, let's read right around 5. Yeah, let's start at 5. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Some, this is the NIV translation. Um, some translations like the International Standard Version uh, says it this way. If a peaceful person lives there, don't move around. The uh, Weymouth translation of the New Testament, which was one of the first kind of modern translations uh, that were done of the New Testament, says, and if there is a lover of peace there, don't move around. When we're trying to be good neighbors and wanting to be good neighbors, it's a little daunting. We talked about that, the fear of, of knocking on those mysterious people's doors next door or down the street. And I think in this passage, Jesus is giving us a little bit of help to make it a little easier for us to be good neighbors. Uh, He says when they sent out the 72, there were 72 in this group. That's That's a pretty good church plant, 72 people. And he sends them out to their towns to, to knock on the doors. He says, when you knock on their doors and they open it, if you find a man or a woman, a family of peace, then you'll know it. And they will basically, because to eat what's put before you, invite you into their home. And so, you know, the question for myself and for us as Jesus followers are, it's like, Who are the people of peace in our neighborhood? It's a little easier to reach out and to get to know someone that's a little more receptive, right? Someone that's that person of peace, that person that when you get to the house, you don't feel like you're having to go through Mr. Grump to get in. And, And even though I think they're worth it too, and you just keep loving and you keep serving, you keep until some of the, you know, the walls come down. But Jesus says when you first get there in your neighborhood, even though their neighborhoods were not like ours, still when you get in our neighborhood, look for the people of peace. And that's your first fill-in if you're going to uh, follow along. There is a, in your handout, you should have got a pen as well, and uh, that's just a way for you to kind of keep up with me, and maybe you can take it uh, with you and talk about it at lunch. 
uh, that's the first fill-in to being a good neighbor is to look for people of peace. Now, how do we recognize these folks, these people of peace in our neighborhoods? And the second fill-in is this. They are people who are hospitable. They are hospitable people. Now, let me ask you, what does it mean to be hospitable? How do you know someone that uh, has hospitality written all over them? That's a real question. You can act. It's okay here. I like getting feedback. We're in this together. You get it? We're together. They check on you. They may speak. They, they invite you in, just like you read in Luke 10. Serve you coffee. That's a good neighbor, right? They feed you good food. <laughs> the garden. Yeah, they give what's in their garden to you. It's kind of like an invitation, isn't it? The people of peace, you, you feel it. It says it returns to you in the scripture. And that is when they open the door, you feel this peace comes toward you. This welcome comes toward you. Now, that makes it a lot easier for us as neighbors, right? So you're not having to work so hard. So you look for these people of peace. Another way I think, and as, as I walk around our neighborhood, is there's always cars out front. Now, I'm not including if they've got a lot of teenagers. Um, I mean, they've got friends by. It seems like that there's always something going on there. People are always laughing in the yard, waving, and and. These are people who obviously open their doors wide and people feel like, hey, we can drop by and we have friends and they're gregarious and and such. Maybe there's parties that you see going on. There's always something going on. Halloween just happened. Who had who had the most decorations in your in your apartment complex? <laughs> and see, we've got some people of peace in here. You know, who had the most decorations? Um, I was so prepared. We were. I had so much candy, and, and this is a new neighborhood for us. And I, I just had our gate open, and I had lights on and ready for kids. And we probably got maybe eight or nine groups. I was really bummed out. I wanted more kids to come by. And, but Elvis did come by. He was, he was only three and a half years old. And his hair was taller than he was. But, but you know, when I really I had to pour it out on him, as soon as I dumped half of what we had in his, in his basket, he looked up at me and said, Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I thought, there's a great neighbor. I don't know where he, I don't know where he came from, but <laughs> it was great. Uh, the Bible is full of, of good neighbors and people of peace. We've talked about a guy named Cornelius over in Acts 10, 25 before. Cornelius was a Roman soldier. He wasn't a Jewish person. Uh, he had a lot of other soldiers that looked up to him, respected him. Uh, in studying this, Cornelius' house probably where he lived was attached to the Italian cohort, that group of soldiers attached to their regiment, where they lived. So imagine that, his house attached to where all the soldiers, the Roman soldiers gathered. Yet Cornelius was a man who loved God but didn't know how to connect with God yet. He gave alms to the poor and he had a group of people who really loved him and cared about him. When you read the story in Acts 10, you see his house is filled with fellow soldiers and family members and people who had dropped by. And Cornelius was on this journey to connect with God, but he knew he wasn't quite there. So when he heard of this Messiah, Jesus, and he heard of 
Peter out preaching the good news of the gospel, he sent for him. And we talked about that miraculous story of how God dealt with Peter over the Gentiles, the non-Jew. And Peter goes over to Cornelius' house. Imagine that. Peter, if you know all that went on with the crucifixion and him there meeting in a Roman soldier's home with lots of people and they eventually come to know Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, the whole house, everyone there. Obviously, Cornelius was a man of peace. Obviously, when you went by where he lived, you knew that was a welcoming place. You could go in. There are others in the Bible like Lydia, this uh, woman who had a business dyeing cloth because uh, this special purple dye was known from this region, Thyatira, that she was from. Paul goes down to the river to pray on the Sabbath, and, and there's Lydia doing her work, dying. She has a business and dyeing the cloths, and she invites them back to her home after Paul talks to her about Christ. And her home becomes like a gathering place. It must have been quite roomy. And so it became a gathering place for many of the believers in the area. Her family, her friends, she was known as a daughter of peace. Uh, she must have been a person of peace. People were welcome in her home. Uh, Priscilla and Aquila. I mean, Priscilla and Aquila, this uh, wife and husband team, had been refugees from Rome when uh, they were all pushed out in around 49 A.D., uh, the Roman emperor booted all the Jews out of Rome. There was a few causing problems, but he booted them all out. And so Priscilla and Aquila were in this. And so they get to Corinth and they meet Paul, the apostle Paul there. They are both tent makers. They're both in business. Paul is making tents to pay for his missionary journeys out of this special Cilian material for tents. And Priscilla and Aquila are doing the same. And maybe they were working side by side in the market. But Paul befriends them. Uh, eventually, they become followers of Christ, very good friends of Paul. They open their home in, uh, for him to come. And it becomes a staging place for the apostles and for the missional journeys. And these were the first... Uh, believers, uh, well, Lydia was the first believer in Europe, but these also became one of the first to have a staging place for the missions to go forth from their home was Priscilla and Aquila. And, of course, evidently the wife was kind of the one that had the leadership mantle on her because she's mentioned first in the scriptures. And there's Justice that lived next door to the synagogue in Acts 18.7. Justice whose house, it almost the way it's phrased, is connected to the synagogue. Well, Paul would leave the synagogue... And Justice would invite Paul into his house. And it even says that Crispus, the synagogue leader, felt welcome in his house, in Justice's house, and became a believer. So obviously, uh, Justice was a man of peace before he was ever a believer. And people felt comfortable coming into his home. But my favorite, my favorite person of peace is Zacchaeus. I love the story of Zacchaeus. This, this short in stature tax collector who uh, wanted to see Jesus. Uh, he was ripping his people off, the Jewish people off, in cahoots with the Romans, making lots of money off of them. And they hate his guts. And the tax collector, Zacchaeus, hears that Jesus is coming to town over in Luke 19, and he says, I want to see this guy. So he's so short in stature, he can't look above the crowd. And there's a crowd gathered. And if you know the story, you know he climbed a tree. And he's sitting up in the branches somewhere while Jesus and his entourage is coming down the street. And Jesus gets to the tree. That's such a great story, isn't it? He gets to the tree. And he looks up and he sees 
Zacchaeus in the limbs. And he says these words. Come down. Come down, Zacchaeus. Because I, and I love this word, must go to your house today. (laughs) I must go to your house. So what happens? When Jesus gets to his house, it's filled with other tax collectors. Filled with them. And everybody, it sounds like a party to me. Hey, you want to know where Jesus is? He's at the party next door. At your neighbor's house. That's where he is. That's where he is. And so Zacchaeus has all of his great and wonderful sinner friends, like I do here today, right there in his home with him. And Jesus has not said anything. And Zacchaeus blurts out, if I ripped anybody off, I'll pay them back four times what I ripped them off for. And besides that, I'm going to give away half of what I have to the poor. Jesus hasn't said a word. (laughs) Oh, man, I love this stuff. I mean, just the presence in that home of that person of peace who attracted all these other people made a difference in their lives. There are people of peace in your neighborhood. There are people there who have thrown out a welcome mat already to you. I, I want to say this too, that this isn't some bait and switch thing I'm talking about with being a good neighbor. Um, You'll notice I have not even used the E word at all last week or this week. You know, you know the word, the word that strikes fear in the heart of every believer. What, anybody dare say the E word? What is it? Evangelism. See, the minute I use that word, everybody's like, oh no, I'm going to knock doors, hand out tracks, I've got to get in somebody's face. I'm like, ah. You know, the, the story is we don't see that with Jesus. Being a good neighbor is about mercy merciful people who look around their neighborhood and look for people who have already already thrown the welcome mat out. We have no, I want you to hear this, we have no ulterior motive than the ultimate motive of love. Get it? Get it? Now, I know that's ruffling some of us, maybe just a little bit. Think about this. When did the disciples get saved? It's not a trick. Well, it kind of is a trick question. I'll take that back. I mean, three years, right? Three and a half years, Jesus walks with these people kind of bumbling along, don't you think? Like us, I mean, bumbling along, trying to get it right, and they, they don't get it right, then they get a little bit of it. And by the time the end of the three and the three and a half years, that before, right before Jesus is crucified, they still are not getting it. They don't get it. Their lives haven't changed very much except their in process with Jesus. Now, when did the disciples get saved? Was it when he breathed on them and he said, receive the Spirit? Remember that? Certainly by the time Pentecost happened, when the Holy Spirit fell on them and things radically changed. But think about this. For three or three and a half years, Jesus walked with them as neighbors, as friends. Never put the big E on them, but they came to it as they walked with Jesus and they saw who he was. Now, if it took Jesus three, three and a half years, it's okay for it to take a few years with you and your neighbors just to be friends and for them to see what God has done in your life. Our whole motive is to show mercy and the love of Christ to people. 
and let the Holy Spirit do what he does best. Because there will come a time, and we'll see at the end of this, we'll see where God positions us in just the right place to be a blessing. So it's not about another notch on the belt. Man, when I was, first became a Christian, we always had notches on our belts. Hey, how many did you pray with today? <laughs> oh, yeah? 37. Dude, I only did 20 today. Oh, man. It was like you had to have somebody pray the prayer, but then we walked off from them. This is about discipling before they become. That's what Jesus did. He discipled the disciples before they ever became followers, really born-again followers of Jesus. So you should just go out and be a good neighbor. Let the love of God shine through you. We're not baiting and switching, and, and we have no ulterior motive. And we want to be good neighbors. We want to be merciful neighbors. And don't do like this guy on this movie clip, okay? Watch this. Hola! Hola, amigo! Hola, mi amigo! Hola, amigo! Hola, mi amigo! Por favor, uno momento. Ah. Hola, vecino! Uh, te gustera venir uh, conmigo a la iglesia el domingo. Mi iglesias es muy dorito. Dur dorito? Uh, oh, oh <laughs> dervitido. Uh, y se puede transformar tu vida de pecano. Oh, pecado, pecado. <laughs> not, not pecano, but, but uh, pecano es muy delicioso. Si? 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 See, I, See? I don't even know. See? I don't even know what you're saying. You speak English. Yes. You're not a Spaniard. Well, I'm a quarter Hispanic, but I don't. I don't speak the language. Seriously? Yeah, I never. Seriously? I never learned the language. Seriously? What were you saying? Never mind. <laughs> Let's not be that guy, okay? No binoculars, creepy, watching people come and go. Uh, but do you get this? Isn't it nice to relax and be a good neighbor? Love people where they are. Let them see the love of Christ that's been shed abroad in our hearts, what God has done in our life. Another thing is the people of peace, they don't hide. That's your next fill-in. These people do not hide. They have, they've got a welcome mat out. It's, uh, they, they want you to come to their houses. Zacchaeus, I mean, they wanted to go there. They probably had a big party, and people of peace in your neighborhood are advertising. They are asking you. A lot of times the front door will be open, the storm door, you know, you'll be able to see through it. The Christmas decorations are inside. The Christmas decorations are outside. There's lights down the walk. It's a way of saying, I'm here. I'm here. And nobody's hiding out. Uh, Halloween, who, you know, like we said, who was, had the most decorations? Who is getting ready for Thanksgiving like now? 
right now. Who's got Christmas, <laughs> Christmas decorations? That's right. Up. Saying, I'm excited. Uh, the other thing is that, you know, these people, they have networks. When you see people like this in your neighborhood, they're not uh, doing life alone. People of peace are already connected to others. Many times they're serving in some capacity, maybe in their uh, subdivision or in their complex, or maybe they're on some boards, or they're in clubs, or they're coaching, they're doing this, they're doing that. But they are connected with people because people like to be around them, and they like to be around people. And uh, it just makes it easy for us because they're looking to make other connections too. Why not make a connection with a good neighbor? Someone that can show them the kindness of God. Now, here's the big question for you. Do you know who that person is? Like right now, I'm not going to ask you to blurt their name out. Actually, next Sunday, what we're going to do is we're going to come in here. We're going to have a place. You're going to get a a little sticky, you know, post it. And we're going to have a spot where you write the first name of your neighbor that you want us to be praying for. And basically, we're going to be praying for you to be a good neighbor to them. That's what we're going to be praying for. And we're going to find a spot on this wall. And during the service, we're going to take our neighbor's name over to that wall. And we're going to pray for them and stick it on that wall. And leave it up there during the holidays. So that we pray that the love of God would be exposed to them through us as good neighbors. Now, how are some ways, you know, can you write a name? Let me, I don't want to pass over this. Last week, I asked for you to write a name down, and many of you did, and the staff prayed over those names that you wrote down from last week. Do you have a name now, as I said a moment ago, that would be this person of peace? Think, just think with me. Do you know someone in your apartment complex, your dorm area, uh, your subdivision, your condo complex? uh, Do you know someone that looks like a person of peace right now? Just kind of do this if you go, yeah, I think I do. I think I do. Just let me know because I want to know if you're thinking of someone. Okay, this happening? A little bit more? Yeah. Okay, I want you to write their first name down on something that you have. You've got paper there in front of you. You can do it on the prayer card again as we can pray for them and pray for you that you would be a good neighbor. But I want you to write their names down because we're going to pray for them. We're going to pray, and we're going to pray for ourselves, that we'd be good neighbors. Isn't it interesting that uh, Jesus says, eat whatever is set before you? You love that. You get invited over somewhere, and you just don't like what's been put before you. You ever been on a missions trip? (laughs) I went on a missions trip one time. They killed the only chicken in the village for me, and it looked awful. And I looked over at my friend. He says, eat it. Eat it. It's the only chicken in the village. I said, yes, sir. Eat it. You eat it. Because you go over to them, and that's an honor to be asking to their home. We can do this stuff. We can do this. We can show the love of God. You got that name? Father, right now, I pray that you would not let us disconnect between that name and the heart that you have put us put in us to love this world the way you loved it, Lord, and gave yourself for it. I pray for us that we would have the courage, really the humility, Lord, to go 
and see if you're opening doors for us to be a good neighbor. Speak to us, God. You know, you got to look for, uh, for this neighbors. And when you're out walking, and I'm not quite done. You can turn the lights back on. <laughs> Sorry. That was the first ending. Um, got a couple more fill-ins here. But when you're out walking in the neighborhood and praying, that's I need to just go for a walk and pray through your neighborhood. And I, I was back here a few about a month or so ago making a, a run around the we have a one mile circle in our neighborhood and making a run and I, as I approached this house on the left I heard this great jazz music old jazz like Duke Ellington being played and as I came up on the garage the garage was up and there was a guy sitting in a chair and he had that jazz just playing and he had the biggest smile on his face and he was just kind of doing this and when I came kind of trotting by he went I mean, he was just having a good old time, you know. And, of course, I'm looking at my watch running, you know, and I should have just stopped. And what I, I mean, I love jazz music. And that wave was a way of saying, hello, neighbor. And I missed it, but I'm looking for the music again. We can look for the invitation. It's not hard to see. It's, it's out there. So you've got the names. And to, to finish this up, how do you make the first move? Um, Step over. Some of you have already mentioned this. Step over and compliment these Thanksgiving and Christmas decorations. I mean, people love to hear that from you. They, they love to, to know that the Griswolds, you know, you got somebody next door with lots of Christmas decorations, and you can, you can say, hey, that's really beautiful. Or take some. I told Karen we, she has to eat gluten-free, and she makes some great cookies. And I said, let's make up some gluten-free chocolate chip cookies. They're so good, and let's... Let's take them out to our neighbors, and I'm going to help you. She says, as long as you help me. And uh, make, you know, then go across to those that have those decorations up and, and knock on the door and say, man, I love your decorations here. Merry Christmas. Just make a step. Do something like that. Or secondly, maybe keep a watch for any way you can assist somebody. And we mentioned that the first week. This morning we pulled up out here early, and there was a guy dressed so, man, he was dressed like he was just going to something very special across from across the street, and he's like, Does, can you give me a jump and get my car started? I've got to go, and, and I try to always keep my jumper cables in my truck for reasons like that, so you can help somebody, but I had piled all my wetsuits in since it got cold and taken my jumper cables out, and, uh, but I said, do you have jumper cables? He says, yep. I said, awesome, and uh, he was the most polite person, really easy to talk to, and he's our neighbor. He's right here, right across the street. And looking for opportunities like that. And then invite them over for snacks if you start feeling good about it. And just a little snack, you know, you're not adopting them. I mean, it's, you know, it's not like, hey, I want you to sign everything you own over to me. It's, it's not that. It's no bait and switch. It's just being a good neighbor. Start the conversation. At the end of all of this, uh, down in verse 8, Jesus when you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is offered to you. Look what he says to do in, in verse 9. Heal the sick. <laughs> Heal the sick who are there, who are in those homes. And tell them the kingdom of God has come near. Heal the sick. When you're with people long enough, you will start hearing their life. You'll start hearing the pains and 
you'll start hearing where the need and the brokenness is in their life and you'll have an opportunity to do the same with them, to share your brokenness and to be able to say, uh, you know what, can I help you with this? Maybe just listening. And then eventually they will sense, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is really good at doing his work. The presence of God is excellent at doing what he does well. Trust him. And the point will come where the kingdom, the rule and the reign, you'll know that it's come close to your neighbor. And they'll know it too. They'll know it. It took the disciples about three and a half years. But they finally got it. And they will get it in your neighborhood as well. So go and heal. Go and tell them the kingdom of God is very close to you. It's in this neighborhood. As a matter of fact, it's in your home. Because I've been infatuated and taken over by the presence of the king in my life. And no, I don't have it all together, but he's with me and he will help us with this. Can I come alongside you and be there with you? And we'll see the kingdom come. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.